Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Welcome in. It is Steve Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM. The fan, Nathan Marzian. You can follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Uh, and uh, thanks for tuning in. We're streaming live on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as we do it now uh, pretty much every time. Unless I'm going solo, then uh, I tend not to. I just record it into a prod studio because I see no sense of anybody having to look at me for 30 minutes talking to myself. I feel like that's weird. Uh, so I don't like doing that. Uh, so again, Odyssey Sports YouTube channel. Also, you can uh, download and listen to the audio uh, on the Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast at uh, all of those obviously work. All right. So uh, today, as we recorded uh, today on Thursday, uh, earlier in the day, Sham Sharanya of the Athletic and Stadium uh, Sports uh, had an interview with Serge Ibaka and asked Serge about uh, playing for the Bucks and how that whole thing played out and why he decided he wanted out and the departure, and then obviously he ends up going to the Lakers, Laker, not Lakers, Clippers, and playing for Ty Lue. And Ibaka pretty much said that the reason he left was because of communication issues with Bud. Pretty much it. He knew before he signed the contract, but made it clear to him, like, hey, no promises that you're going to play a ton here. And so it's like, that's fine. You know, just want to know what's going on and keep me in the loop, whatever. That's fine. I get it. Got Brooke Lopez. He gave Brooke Lopez some flowers, gave Bobby Portis some flowers. Like he wasn't saying in the interview that he should have been playing in front of either one. He knew his role fine. But Bud did say, you know, injuries happen. You know, you probably get some run. Fine. Well, then injuries do happen. Guys get nights off, whatever the case may be. Got no run. Then these guys get healthy. He plays a game all of a sudden and then sits for another two or three weeks after that. And at that point, he's like, that's it. I'm done. They're not telling me what's going on. They're not telling me what I'm playing, what I'm not playing kind of in the dark in this whole thing. Um, and he asked out. Then he goes to the Clippers and Ty Lue would call him on a given morning and be like, hey, dude, next two, three games, probably not going to play. Go with the young guys. And then call him another day be like, hey, man, going to give you some run tonight so be ready to go. All right, sounds good. He goes, that's all. And Abaka said, that's all I wanted from Milwaukee. If they could have done that, that's fine. And then he said also in the interview, he'd go talk to the front office and they'd tell him something else. And then you'd have Bud doing his thing. Marzian, I don't want to overreact, but I'm a little mad about John Horst right now in this front office. I, I got to be honest after hearing this because 
If he went to horse and he said front office to be specific, he did not say John horse by name. He said front office. When I think of front office, I think it's him, Peter Fagan, those guys. Okay. So I'm assuming horse is considered front office. If he went to John horse and complained about this and got no resolution and nothing changed, then that's on the GM for not having his head coach communicating better with his players at the end of the day, unless I'm missing something. But if horse knew and then said, nah, whatever, Old guy, I don't care, whatever, whatever, deal with it. If that kind of how this whole thing went, that's that's not a good look, I don't think, for this Bucks front office. Uh, and obviously Bud's out of a job now, but I, I don't I don't like how it made the Bucks look. Yeah, I mean, there's two sides of this. It's part of you is absolutely like, yeah, that's disappointing to hear. It's not what you want from your franchise and from your coach to be. And I mean, again, it's no longer our coach, so we don't have to worry about that. But it just to not be transparent about that, to not be providing that communication because Serge did say that, as you as you said, you know, before the before he signed, it wasn't like Bud was promising him a spot in the rotation and saying you're going to play and don't worry and we're going to get minutes. He said there's no promises, but stuff can happen and maybe you'll get minutes. And it's the the disappointing part is yeah, just finding out that, as Serge said, the most disappointing thing for him was that he he just didn't get the communication part of it, which, which is the most basic part of just telling you, okay, this is how we're, this is how we're feeling right now. This is what we're thinking. This is, you know, what you should kind of expect. Now on the flip side, I don't know necessarily the way he talks about it was like, there were guys injured and he really had a chance to play a ton. I don't really know what he's referring to there because we got him at the end of the 2021 to 22 season. So not this past season, but the year before, well, Brooke came back. He, we got him at in February at the deadline. Brooke came back, and in that was like a month later. So he really only had a month to play before Brooke came back, and he did play that entire. He played. I mean, he, he was playing. I'm going to quickly do this from the time we got him until Brooke came back. Essentially, he was playing 18 minutes a game. Yep. So he got 18 minutes a game when Brooke Lopez was out. Brooks, Brooke comes back on March 14th, 2022. And obviously then that's going to cut into his minutes. He doesn't play as much the rest of the season. And then last year, Brooke Lopez played 78 games. What? When did you expect to, like, I don't really know what the confusion was on his part because like, does Bud really need to tell him, hey, Brooke's healthy, so you're not playing that much. I feel like that's kind of a given. Um, if Brooke had missed half the season last year and he still wasn't playing, I would understand it. But there was not a single point where I was like, man, we really should be playing Serge Ibaka more. And, you know, not it, it was not only because he doesn't look very good, which is a whole other part of this of like, I mean, he didn't deserve to play to begin with. But again, just because like Brooke Lopez was arguably our healthiest player last season. So when did he, I don't really know what he's referring to of like it, these injuries happen. I mean, I know Giannis missed some time, but I just didn't see Serge Ibaka being the guy to fill that role. I just never really understood. I didn't know where he was referring to where like he should have been getting minutes and wasn't. Um, the only part of it that is disappointing is that communication part. But I, I just, it kind of goes, there's there's two sides of this because part of me is like, I, I don't really know what he's referring to. But this is the problem. He's the second uh, person now that's had an issue with communication with Bud. The other one was Jay Crowder, who I said, I don't care if Jay Crowder's mad or not, because Jay Crowder didn't looked old and slow when he was out there. So it is what it is. Fine. But Crowder also complained about the same thing about 
why did you sign me and make all of this big to do about getting me and trading for me from Phoenix? Why did you do all this and then sit me and let me watch the entire playoffs, uh, the playoff series? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why did we go through all this to not play me at this point? So he was mad at Bud, too. So now you've had Abaka earlier in the year being mad at Bud for not communicating. And I'm not saying Abaka should have played. I'm just talking about the communication part of things, right? And now you get to Crowder, who comes in later to essentially replace Abaka, if you want to look at it that way, and have more of a significant role than Abaka. And he doesn't get the run that he deserves, and he gets mad at Bud and that coaching staff. I don't think he comes back if Bud is still here, to be honest with you. I don't think there's any chance. I think he's going somewhere else for a better minimum, like he signed for here, but he would have played somewhere else. He wasn't going to come back and play for Bud. So it's a different coaching staff, so they convince him to come back and play. I go back to John Horse in the front office. That's another situation where you traded for a dude, and you could say whatever you want. Oh, five-second-round picks. Who cares? Fine. That can be your stance. But either way, you still gave up capital, draft capital, that you could have used on other players at some other time going forward. Instead, you wasted it on him, and then your coach didn't play him. So who's really running the show here for Milwaukee last year? Was Bud kind of running the show and telling John Horse in the front office, dude, I'm coaching the team the way I want. I got a championship. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. I'm going to do it the way I want. Was that going on? And he was just ignoring what Horse in the front office was telling them? Were they not talking by the end of the season? Were they both mad with each other? Like, there, To me, there's more to the story here going on between the front office and the coaching staff than maybe people realize. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I am not entirely sure if I agree with that just because I I don't know. I feel like these are, I mean, they're both veteran players that probably think they have more left in the tank than they do. We're talking about Jay and Serge. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can just lend itself to, that can lead to this type of stuff happening where these guys just feel like they deserve to play and the coach is like, well, they can't. They're not going to say that you're going to play, but they also, in the Jay Crowder situation especially, I don't know if Bud even knew whether he was going to play or not. I think it was more of like, we're going to go, we have so, that team last year was so many options. How can you, like. Well, then he should have told Horse he didn't need him. Then he should have said, John, we're good. We don't need another guy. We got enough guys. We're fine. Everyone at the deadline, hold on. Because at the deadline, I think everyone thought, and I think the whole I think I think Bud thought this. I think the front office thought this. All the fans thought this. Jay Crowder thought this. That Jay was going to play a significant role in the playoffs. We both did. Yeah. Would you agree that Jay Crowder was worse than you expected him to be? Yes. 
old and so, slow is what he looked like. Yes. It I that's a I, again, I don't understand where this I can't criticize Bud too much on this because I didn't see like I wasn't sitting there going, "Why aren't you playing Jay Crowder?" because I saw Jay Crowder looking not good and I was like, "You know what? I don't blame him for just going somewhere else and saying, "Hey, he doesn't have it. Like, let's just let's just go with someone else." And does that mean that he should be like telling Jay Crowder, "Hey, I'm not playing you?" No, because he doesn't know that he's not. He, he doesn't know for sure that he's just not playing him anymore. Because what if Joe Ingles is sucking out there? He might want to say, hey, I'm throwing Jay Carter back in there. I think there was just a lot of options on the table. And Bud was kind of just playing it as things went. And he wasn't he wasn't comfortable committing to yes with Jay Crowder. He wasn't comfortable committing to no with Jay Crowder. He was just like, I we're going to see. And I'm I think everyone expected Jay Crowder to play more at the time they got him. And I understand Jay Carter being like, why did you bring me here? But also look at your own play and say, Hey, I was a lot worse than they probably expected. So I don't really blame them for not playing me as much as I thought, because I wasn't as good as they were hoping I would be. Um, again, I just think there's two sides to this. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't know exactly how much these guys were asking about their playing time or like all that, you know, cause it, I don't know. I, I don't know the conversations that go on, but it's like, I, I'm not going to blame Bud for kind of being in a position where he's like, I can't tell you yes or no, if you're going to play a lot, because I don't, I'm, I'm, it's kind of, as we're going here, you know, we, we have a lot of guys in this position and we're just going to play it. At, at, you know, we're just going to roll with, roll with the punches and see what happens. I don't know. I, I can't say. For me, coming from a position of, you know, been being a manager at some point or another, um, or having managers be my boss, the best managers over communicate. The worst managers don't communicate at the end of the day, right? So if whatever the case may be about somebody wanting more hours or somebody wanting less hours, wanting more flexibility, wanting more money, you know, that communication is essential in all of that. I don't think it's any different uh, with a coach and a player, uh, or, you know, say it's a bullpen pitcher uh, and a manager and a pitching coach. They have those conversations every day as far as, all right, dude, look, this is going to be the situation. If this happens, you're in. If it doesn't, then we're probably not going to use you unless we get to extra innings. And there's always that constant communication, or at least that's what you're hoping for, kind of going forward. I read a story uh, about the Atlanta Falcons the other day, and you may say this is way too, too much, but Terry Fontenot, former Saints running back, is the GM of the New Orleans Saints, or the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Arthur Smith is the head coach. Apparently, Fontenot is watching practice film after every training camp practice with his head coach and going over players and what they look like in practice and so forth. I know for a fact that there have been GMs in the past that have barged in screaming and yelling at players at halftime before the coach even got to them in the NBA. That's happened. Lots. Where they're that involved in being there. Also know that there are instances in Major League Baseball where GMs and managers are talking after every single game. Why did you make that move? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? But again, it's all about communication and understanding one another and getting on the same page. To me, what Abaka is saying, maybe a little bit different than Jay who just pissed he didn't play. But Abaka said it. He's like, I'm not even mad that I didn't play. I'm mad that he didn't talk to me 
about what was going on. And then he used the Ty Lue situation as far as how he wanted to be treated. And Ty Lue, again, a former player, so he knows how he wanted to be treated, so he treats his players the same way. That's why all these dudes love Ty- playing for Ty Lue because he treats them the way they that you know he would want to be treated when he played in the NBA. How does that change with Adrian Griffin now? Because this is a former NBA player that's played and has been with a lot of different NBA head coaches. How he handles his players. We talked about it. On this podcast with Eric Name of The Athletic, go back and listen to it in the Green and Growing Podcast, Odyssey app, wherever you download your podcast at. Now he just wrote a piece on The Athletic about this conundrum of the shooting guard wing position of all these dudes they got and how this whole thing is going to shake out. That communication that Adrian Griffin has with these guys is going to be a factor, I think, as far as not having a bunch of dudes all pissed off uh, about their situation. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, but again, let's make it clear. This isn't a bunch of dudes. This is two old veterans that you know, didn't perform very well and are now a little bit bitter about that. This isn't, you know, half the team being upset about their playing time. But I do want to say, I mean, is it, is it, you know, Ty Lue, he says Ty Lue would call him and say, hey, this week we're going with these guys and we're not going to play as much. Should that be, ex- I, I, I mean, should that be expected from the coach or is that more of an above the top thing from the coach? Because I don't know, to me, Again, if you're in Serge Ibaka's situation, do you really, and you can see that Brooke Lopez is playing every game of the season, do you really need Bud to tell you to be like, hey, by the way, you're not going to play that much? He, I mean, according to Ibaka, Bud told him that I'm making no promises about playing time if you come back here. Like, that's the deal. And injuries well, exactly. could happen, and maybe that's how you get in there and you play, but there's no promise. He said Bud made no promises about playing time. What Ibaka was mad about was once the season got in, that Bud essentially stopped communicating with him about his situation and playing or not playing. That's what he was mad about, that essentially but, he was cut off from the head coach as far as communication. Yeah, but what I'm saying is what did he need to communicate to him? Because the circumstances really didn't change. Brooke Lopez did not get hurt. So what was he wait- What was he? waiting for bud to tell him like if Brooke I, lopez was just playing all the time why did he need like what did he need bud to tell him that was going to be this oh now i know how much i'm going to play didn't he just know that like well if Brooke lopez is healthy i'm probably not playing i think it was not wanting to be ignored i think that's all it was like you kind of just left me over there in the quarter and acting like i wasn't part of the team and you weren't talking to me at all where it could be hey man keep working keep working hard whatever the case may be we know you're there. We like what you're doing in practice. Just stay ready. Da, 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 da. Just check in with them every week, two weeks, whatever the case may be, to let them know that you're watching, you're paying attention, you're going to try to figure out how to work them in. No guarantees. He just wanted to be respected as an NBA vet that's done this for a long time. He knows he's not going to start in front of these two guys and get 30 or 40 minutes. That's not what he's saying. He just wanted to be respected. And to me, that's what I think this was all about, just not feeling respected by the head coach. And then Crowder, 
Was it that? Was it pissed off because he just wasn't playing him and so forth? There's more to the story there probably with Jay Crowder. That's but, that's fair. But if you go back to the name interview, he made a comment in passing about how the Bucks front office was ready to move on with from Bud back when they won the championship. Remember, we were talking about that, how they yeah. were ready to move on as well. And then he won a championship. So then it's like, well, now I'm moving on now. Now, now we got to keep him. So now we're going to move forward. And then Chris gets hurt. I would love to know what the reasoning was then to move on from Bud versus then obviously he wins a ring and then you go back. Was the reasoning always just in-game X's and O's um, and not making adjustment in-game enough and that's what they were mad about? Or were there other things that were in their craw about how Bud was coaching one way or the other uh, from that ownership group and that front office? Yeah, and everything you said about you know, those are definitely valid reasons for Serge to be a little bit upset. You know, I, like you said, I don't, he wasn't, he made it pretty clear. He wasn't expecting to play a ton, but it was more just the the communication part of it. And that's definitely something that hopefully should um, improve with Adrian Griffin. And as yep. you said, a, a former player being the coach. And I think Bud just has this kind of mentality of like, okay, anyone who's not really in the rotation, just be ready. You know, if your time comes, be ready. But like, you, you, it might not come, you know, and just, I'm not, he, he's, he's going to kind of be hands off and just be like, whatever, you know, be ready for times if your time is, is coming, but it might not. And some guys get put off by that, you know, just because it's like, well, it seems like they, you don't even care about them. I mean, and I can understand that. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it should definitely improve with Griffin and, you know, I, I just think the one good thing that comes out of this is it sounds like with both of these, with Jay Crowder and with Serge, they both said that the the locker room itself with the players was great. Yep. Like Serge said, I had no problem with any player in that locker room. Jay Crowder, when they asked him, would you want to come back? He said, like, yes, even with everything that happened, he would want to come back because that is a winning locker room, winning guys. You know, the, the, the team chemistry was really good. So that is good to hear. It's not like there's a bunch of unhappy players in the locker room that all are, you know, bitter at each other for this guy playing more than that. It's, it's, Everyone in the locker room is fine. And I don't even know if it's a problem with like Horst and Bud as much as it is just Bud and those end of bench players and those role players that aren't playing as much. I think it's just Bud not communicating the way that those guys wanted to be communicated to. I don't even know if it ties that much into Horst. Because again, I think I think Horst gets, you know, with an, for, for Drake Crowder, for example, Horst gets him. And I think they're all on the same page when they get the guy. Horse gets Crowder. Bud's like, I'm fully on board. I want I want this guy. I think he'll be very valuable for us. But it's Bud's job then to evaluate how he's playing and adjust his minutes accordingly. So if he's playing poorly, as we all agree he was, well, again, I, I mean, Bud's going to play him less. That doesn't mean that he never wanted him to begin with or he didn't think he needed him to begin with. It just means that he kind of adapted to what he saw on the court. And I think that's fair just in that standpoint. So, okay. So let me counter that. We're spending way more time on this than I thought we would. But let me counter that. I believe that in order to be successful in most situations, always exceptions in the to the rule, right? Your GM and your head coach have to be on the same page. You have to be communicating with each other and going in the same direction. For instance, Ted Thompson, when he was general manager of the Green Bay Packers, just drafted dudes and then told his coaching staff, they're football players, figure it out but he doesn't fit into our defense, you'll, you'll figure it out. It'll be fine. 
I draft football players. You you figure out how they fit into your your schemes. Well, that's crap. Like you're not giving them any chance of uh, of being successful if you're not drafting guys that make sense with what they're trying to put together on the roster. David Stearns and Craig Council. My understanding is it's a beautiful relationship. Was there a lot of trying to get to know each other after games and getting down with each other? Yep. And having to figure each other out. Because if you remember, Mark Atanasio said, you are going to have Craig Council, David Stearns. Uh, let's give it a year and then see if you are good with Craig Council being your manager. He kind of made him take Council. And then they hit it off. They started to understand each other and communicate and so forth. And that's a beautiful relationship. Now everybody's worried that Stearns is going to go to the Mets and Council is going to go with them. Who knows? But that ended up being a great relationship. And they both understood what each other wanted out of this deal and how this team was expected to play. That's why, to me, listening to both of these dudes, I feel like maybe that horse bud thing wasn't necessarily on the same page. Because if I'm bud and I'm not going to play back in the playoffs, and I know we gave up a million second round picks, my general manager gave that up, and I'm not going to play him. If I'm bud, I'm going to John, shutting the door and going, John. Look, man, I don't know what you're seeing, but I'm telling you what I'm seeing. He's old. He looks old. He looks slow. He hasn't played all year, so obviously he's got to get in shape. I don't got time for him to get in shape in the playoffs. Like, this series is tough enough. He's not helping me enough. Like, I can't play him. He's not ready to play. And then at that point, it's got to be, all right, bud, you okay. I'm with you. Then you got to have that conversation with Jay. You're like, Jay, I don't know how much I'm going to play you, man. To be honest, be straight. Like, you're, you're slowing us down on offense. Defensively, you're not seeming as quick as you were. What You have that conversation. I don't think that's crazy. Maybe it is crazy. Maybe that doesn't happen in the playoffs. You don't have time to babysit guys and tell guys what you're thinking. But to me, those two conversations happen, and maybe Crowder gets it. Maybe. And maybe if Crowder's like, oh, the hell with you. That's not true. You're lying. Okay, cool. Throw on the throw throw on the throw on the last game. Let's watch. And then you watch it with Jay and show him. That's not you. Let's watch two years ago, Jay Crowder. Look at how much quicker you see the difference here. This that's who I thought I was getting. This is not who I got. So we want you, yes, but you aren't playing like that. And I need more athleticism than what I'm getting from you, Jay. So you know, you be mad, but I'm showing you what I'm seeing, and you're seeing it too. That's it. You got to have that conversation. If you don't have that conversation, then you get Jay Crowder who thinks he's found the fountain of youth and got screwed over by not playing in the playoffs last year. And then publicly, it becomes a whole negative thing on the Bucs. And now Abaka comes out however many months later, and it's more negativity on the Bucs organization. It's just not a good look. And you know, you could say, well, Bud's gone, so none of this matters. Fine, but we're doing a Bucs podcast, so I thought it was worthy of a conversation, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, it's like I come back to as I said before, you know, is it is it fair to expect Bud to give a definite or a very leaning yes or no to Jay Crowder? Because again, I, I think there's a very good chance that he was like, okay, I want this guy to work out. I, I really, I, I'm still going to give him some chances, but it's not looking good. And do you want to just, do you want to tell him, as you kind of said, no, hey, you're not looking good. We don't. We're not going to probably play you that much because that can just ruin the dude's confidence. And all of a sudden, you've got a huge issue going right. into the playoffs. Do you want to just again kind of play it safe, be more hands off? Which I think that was more Bud's approach was just be hands off and hope he's just willing to wait for his turn. And if his turn comes, he's ready. But also, you know, hope he's okay with not playing that much if it, you know if he's not playing well. I think that's how Bud approached it. You know, do, do you guys have a right to be a little bit frustrated with that? Yes. 
But again, I just, it, it's hard to put Bud in a position where you're telling him, Hey, you have to tell these guys how you're feeling on them. Cause there's going to be guys that you just don't know where you're like, you know, again, like a Pat Connaughton, can you commit to being like, yeah, Pat, for sure. We're going to play you 25, 20 minutes. No, because what if his shots, what if he goes ice cold? Well, then you pull him off the floor. Oh, but Mars Jan, you said he was going to be playoff Pat before the playoffs, even though he wasn't very good in the regular yeah. season. Well, you were on he this podcast up. every week going, Sparky, playoff Pat, baby. He's going to light it up. Well, you just wait, Spark. And you were a thousand percent correct. So I know, I know, I know, but I'm just saying it, like if he hadn't shot well, well, then I would have been like, okay, you know, he's, he's, he can't play. And is it fair, you know, if you had promised Pat, Hey, we're playing you 20, 25 minutes. Well, then Pat's going to be all mad at that. Cause he's all of a sudden he's not playing, but that's not Bud's fault that he didn't shoot the ball. Well, like for, you know, again, can you promise Jay Carter? He's going to play when you don't know how he's going to play. No. Can you promise that he's not going to play when, you know, he still has things he brings to the table that like you ideally best case scenario want. Yeah. Like you don't, we don't want to promise that he's not going to play. Cause there is a chance you're still going to play him. You want him to still be ready. I got an example. How did they talk to Bobby Portis when he missed that whole net series? What was that conversation? That's I'd like to know. I, I want somebody to ask Bobby. Like, did they sit you down during that series and go, Bobby, we don't like the matchups. We're not going to give you a lot of run, but be ready. Be a good teammate. Help us. And then once we get through the series, it's you. Did they have the conversation or did they leave Bobby Portis blowing out in the wind every night, getting pissed off that he wasn't playing? Like, how did that play? Because... In my mind, however you handled that, you could have done the same with Jay Crowder if you handled it the right way that time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. And it uh, it would be very interesting to find that out because he was another guy that it's like, I don't, you know, you can't commit because it's going to depend on the matchups. It's going to depend on how he's playing. It's going to depend on how his defense looks. There's a lot of factors that go into deciding whether he's going to play. So you can't tell him, yeah, you're going to play or no, you're not going to play. Cause you don't really know ahead of time. You all like, it's just, there's so much that happens, especially in the playoffs on the fly. And I think I just, it's hard for me to, to put a coach in that position of like, you have to let everyone know every decision you're making on the fly, because I don't, I think that that's a little bit too much to put on the coach, honestly. And maybe I'm completely wrong on that. Maybe I should expect the coach to, to do that. But it's like, and, and this is more about Jay Crowder, because I, again, I don't think Serge was expecting right. to ever play in the playoffs or anything like that back in 2022. But with the Crowder thing, it's like, I, I can't blame Bud for not letting Jay know everything that was going on because it's like, it, it's on the fly. It's a, it's just a game to game thing of like, all right, Jay Crowder, get in there. Let's see how you look for a little bit. And if he's playing well, I'll keep him in. If he's not, okay, you're out. And it's just, you, you have to be as a player especially a role player like that. And I think Bud would think, I think this is Bud's thought press as well. You just have to be ready for your moment. But again, it's not guaranteed to you and you shouldn't be expecting that you're just going to play all the time because there's plenty of guys on the roster that are good, you know? And so it's like, I, I, I can't blame Bud too much for it. And I hate sounding like I'm defending Bud super hard, but I just, I don't know. I'm no, from my hard. perspective. Yeah. From my perspective, it just, it seems like a lot to put on the coach in the playoffs to, be telling every you know again as you said kind of babysitting these guys of like oh well jay sorry you're not going to play much in game three sorry you didn't play that much but hopefully it's like no dude be ready if you're going to play you're you're a professional basketball player you know be on the bench be ready and maybe your name's <laughs> going to get called it might not if it doesn't don't complain i don't know <laughs> i just thought you saw the dude i love you but ain't no chance as soon as you say professional player pick a sport you're wrong 
they're all just old children is all they are. And that's essentially exactly how you have to go through this. You have to treat them like kind of what they are oversized children. That's what you're dealing with. You have to feed the ego. You have to over communicate. You have to tell them how special they are, even though if they're not playing and all of that, all that has to happen. Otherwise you lose these guys. All right, let's move on. What? And that's really real quick. That's, that's probably the problem with what is that he just wasn't that type of guy to be that babysitter and just right. be that, you know, over communicating. He probably did. He did the minimum of what he needed to do, but it's like, that wasn't enough. And so, yeah. Yeah. And then Jason Kidd was a complete hard ass uh, and really went after these guys. Like guys went after him as a coach and that did not work with this era of ball player, obviously. Uh, all right. Second topic quickly here. Did ESPN screw up their NBA coverage by getting rid of Mark Jackson and Van Gundy? We knew about Van Gundy. We've talked about it on a previous Green Run podcast. Now Mark Jackson out is out as well. It sounds like it's going to be Breen, Doris Burke, and Doc Rivers. I feel sorry for Mike Breen. I'll be honest. I mean, that would be like taking the TNT crew and pulling Barkley and Kenny Smith and telling Ernie Johnson, okay, good luck. Here are two new guys to work with you and Shaq. Hope it all works out well for you. We expect the same ratings or something. It's just, you're putting Breen in a no-win situation, I think. There's no way these three, if this is what they decide to do, are going to be anywhere close to as good as what you have with Mark Jackson and Van Gundy. And you're going to put them under fire all year because it's not Doris Burke's fault that those two got let go. It's not Doc Rivers' fault that those two guys got let go. But the comparison is always going to be there. And that's unfortunate, but I have zero expectations of that broadcast being any good. Zero zilch nada uh, of that broadcast. Going, who Who's the guy you're tuning in for? Before you were tuning in to hear Jackson and Van Gundy's banter back and forth. Breen was a great middle guy, like Ernie Johnson on the studio show. And Jackson and Van Gundy's banter back and forth, agree, disagree, whatever, poking fun at each other. That's what made it great. Doris Burke and Doc Rivers are going to have that that type of chemistry ever? Absolutely not. No chance that's happening. None. So they totally screwed it up, in my opinion, Nathan. The um, I, th- I think, as you said, I feel a little bit bad for Mike Breen because they had such a good trio. That was I loved. We talked about this. Our favorite, I think, announcers at one point, and it was I was like, I love Breen, Van Gundy, and Jackson. Those are like I just love that trio. They were always, you know, they were. Breen was more serious, but really like the best in the business at what he does. And then you had Mark Jackson, Van Gundy kind of add in the humor and they also were good analysts. Like they really were. And it's disappointing. It, it definitely sucks. I think from what I know, and I'm not really old enough to remember him much as a commentator, but I've heard that doc actually was a, a pretty good analyst when he sure. did it. So Agreed. I will give, I'll give that a chance. I like from, again, the people that I, podcast I listen to from you know the people that are a lot older than me they said when um uh Van Gundy got let go they were like the only guy that I think can at least patch us up a little bit and make it not awful is Doc Rivers if they if they get Doc Rivers on with Mark Jackson yeah I I was thinking it would be with Mark Jackson I didn't expect yes! the out hey I was like, okay, if it's Doc and Mark, okay, then this will still be fun because they can still poke. They played together in that same era. So, like, all of that makes a lot of sense. Like, the chemistry probably would have been really good. And then you ask Mark Jackson on top of everything else. Like, I, again, that it should have been Breen and Doc. Just forget Doris Burke. Just boop, push her out to the side. If you weren't going to give Doc a player 
to work with or another coach, another coach would have been fine, right? Then that's it. If it would have been Van Gundy and Doc, that would have been great. If it would have been Doc and Mark Jackson, I think that would have been great. But putting another play-by-play person in there in Burke to go with Breen, I got it. I, I don't I don't see how that works. I, I don't I don't get it. Remember the Monday night football when they were doing tryouts? They would get bring guys in to work with Al Michaels and they would do f- fake games in a studio of a pre uh, of a game that already existed, and they would see who had the best chemistry with Al and that whole deal and who Al liked and who sounded the best with Al and so forth. I don't think they done this with Mike Breen. I think they just randomly picked two people and said, Okay, here we go. Like they should have went and had Mike Breen and said, okay, we think you two are going to be really good with Mike. Let's do, let's do a playoff game. That's already happened and see how this works. Go. And then see what the chemistry is like. Cause I'm telling you right now, you can listen and you'll know whether or not it's going to work or not. I can listen to a talk show on the radio and know right away. If something's going to work chemistry wise or not based on the first, I don't know, week, two weeks of shows. And see if there's that chemistry. And if there's not, then you've got to move and find something else. I think if you're ESPN and I think somebody just is like, oh, yeah, this sounds good. Like it would work. I would love to hear the explanation of why they think Doris Burke works with these two. I it it's yeah, I and I think that they also didn't take to take into account that Doc Rivers now has the super raspy voice. Like he didn't have this back in the day when he was being an analyst. True. I don't know if, and I, you know, I, I just, I don't know if they took it into account. I don't know how it'll sound. I don't know how, as you said, just, I'm not sure if they actually put them together and listen to what it sounded like. Cause I just, it'll be interesting to see if it actually sounds good. All right. We'll move on. Last topic, uh, a Twitter uh, thing that Nathan did it wasn't meant for the podcast, but I saw it and thought it was kind of cool. So I figured we'd bring it to the podcast. Uh, Dave, they can read a couple of the responses and we can talk about it. If you could root for another team other than the Bucks, you know, who would it be? So maybe you have a second team already. So this is easy for you. Uh, maybe you're like, only Bucks. Okay. Well, let's say the Bucks don't exist. So who who's going to be that other team necessarily uh, that you would root for if, let's say, Milwaukee picked up and relocated uh, to uh, another city and now there's no Bucks? Mars now would cry for weeks if that happened. It would be horrible. Oh, it'd be horrible. Um, and then the question would be, do we do green and growing or do we pick another team? And Marzian and I dedicate our life to that said new team that we're going to follow going forward. I, it could not be the Bulls. I would not allow it to be the Bulls. The Cubs, the uh, Cubs. We, we we just become a Cubs uh, Cubs uh, podcast. I'd they're playing well right now here to do it with you. Huh? They're playing well. They're playing well right now, too. That, that Cubs Reds game Wednesday night, that was some of the worst baseball I've seen played by a professional baseball team. Nick Senzel by himself made three errors. A horrible, horrible deal there. And they scored what 36 runs, was it in back in two games? Something yeah. like that. First time it's been done since like 1900 in Cubs history or something stupid like that. Yeah, Cubs are on fire. And the Reds, uh, they did a great job of building that thing. Why they didn't go after pitching more aggressively than they did, it's going to cost them the division. Watch. Whether the it's the Brewers or the Cubs, the Reds are going to get that division costed on their heads because they didn't do enough from a pitching perspective. Uh, all right, so we got sidetracked. All right, Marzian, so you can go first. I'll go second. Uh, so who who would be that second team? Maybe you already have one. So last year, I definitely would have said the Kings. That was my number two team last year. I loved watching them. They were, you know, the young team, very exciting. Always loved tuning in at like 9.30. There'd be a Kings game on. Um, 
there's two other teams that I want to mention because I still think my pick would be the Kings, but there's two other teams that are definitely right there with them, and that is the Thunder, who obviously have a ton of young talent, would yep. just be very exciting to follow their next, you know, decade, whatever. Um, and just with all the picks they have and the assets, it just it would be a fun team to follow for the next decade. The other team is the Magic because they're also the same way, where they have young talent and they see they're they're just a likable team. They have uh, you know some nice nice young guys that I like and the assets. So another team that I just think will be fun to follow. But the two that the, the, I'd say the main two are Kings and Thunder, and I'll I'll pick the Kings. I. You think much more highly of Orlando than I do. Then I, I look at Orlando and that roster and go, Ugh. I, I, I just don't get excited. That Cole Anthony pick was trash. I, I knew that wasn't going to work. That was a horrible pick. And again, no disrespect to what they're doing down there. They're trying. They're trying to draft young guys and hopefully hit on the next Giannis or whatever. Uh, Paolo Bancaro played well for the most part last year. They got some nice pieces. I'm not going to say they don't, but Thunder definitely is that team, I think, in the West where watch out in a couple of years for the Thunder. Kings would be my team. I watched damn near all their games last year because, like I said before, 16-year-old uh, is a Kings fan and has been for the last several years when he decided to pick an NBA team. That's who he picked. Um, and the other part of it for me was not only that, but Rami Makhlouf, my old co-host on the Wendy's Big Show, was working out in Sacramento um, and doing an afternoon show. So literally during Kings games, I'd be texting with Rami about what was happening in a Kings game or if Kings news came out. I'd send him uh, a screenshot of something that happened or texting with him. So I had him to talk with. So I had him, I had the 16 year old. And then by the end of the season, it was Marzian too was getting involved uh, with the Kings. So we were talking about the Kings too on this podcast. But now since that's all happened, Rami has quit his job in Sacramento uh, and is moving back to Milwaukee. Now, I'm sure he will not give two rips about Sacramento now that he is no longer in Sacramento. But I, I still think I'm in on the Kings. I, I still think that's that's going to be my second team at the end of the day. I love Sabonis. Just do. think he's a fun dude. Love his personality. All about that. Um, I was never a Matt Barnes fan, per se, as an NBA player. Couldn't stand him. Uh, Harrison, Matt Barnes, Harrison Barnes? Harrison Barnes? No, no. Matt Barnes. Okay. Matt Barnes, the player, um, couldn't stand him in the NBA. Matt Barnes, the analyst and pregame oh, and postgame right. host I for the Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty good. I like Matt Barnes doing King stuff. I really do. I think I think he's entertaining. I think he's honest. Uh, so I like him doing pre and post coverage for the Kings. I, I that that leads to it. Um, and I gotta tell you, I'm not seeing him play in person, obviously. But this Sasha dude that they got. EuroLeague MVP a couple of times that they're bringing over to Sacramento uh, this year is going to be the X factor for this Kings team of how far they can go. I don't know if you saw the odds came out to win the NBA championship. The Kings have the worst odds of every team in their division of winning the championship coming off of last year. They're picked to be dead last in their division coming off of last year. That's they, crazy. I, I do think they're going to disappoint a little bit this year because last year they were just like they had one of the healthiest seasons of a team ever. Like they didn't have any injuries and everything kind of broke perfectly for them. Um, I think they're bound to now playing with a little bit of expectation, disappoint a little bit. And I, I mean, I still am very much going to follow them, root for them. They're just, they're one of the most fun teams. And you mentioned, you know, you talked about analysts announcers that they have, they have Mark Jones is their play by play guy. And I love yep. him. So it's fun listening to him all the time. And I love Keegan Murray too. He's, one of my favorite young guys in the league. And um, 
just yeah, most of their team is just very likable. The only guy we really have a problem with is Trey Lyles because of the whole uh, Brooke Lopez thing. Is he even? I don't even know. If, is Trey Lyles still in the Kings? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, because uh, he had he had the whole. I think it was was it with Brooke Lopez or was it with Giannis that he had that altercation last year? Uh, and then De- and then the- De'Aaron Fox and then De'Aaron Fox yeah, yeah, was yeah, like. Yeah. Where, he, right. where Giannis was dribbling out the ball weird, or I don't even remember what was going on. And then cut like, in front of him. Yeah, yeah. I think Trey Lyles is still in the Kings. Yeah, I think he's still in Sacramento, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he is. I just okay. looked it up. I'm pretty sure he's still under contract with them. Um, But yeah, so and Lyles had a, had a nice role last year. He did. And the other thing for them is going to be, can Kevin Herter become more consistent? He was on fire yeah. in the beginning of the year and then went stone cold for majority of the year, and that absolutely killed them. Uh, as far as, I, you know, that outside shooting that they have to have if Sabonis is going to be under the rim, have to have it. And I think I, I think that's another good lesson, the Kevin Herter thing with Bucks fans a little bit of like, this happens with other players too. It's not just Bucks guys that go into slumps and that, you know, have these really cold stretches. Like almost every shooter in the league, I'm like you can go look at Steph Curry and during the season he'll have stretches where you're like, this dude went two weeks where he was shooting like 24% from three. It just Blake happens, Thompson you know? does it too. Yeah, when you shoot a lot of threes and that's your main thing, like you're gonna go cold sometimes. Every single player does. And so I, I don't know. I just think it's a good lesson for people because I think we always get this idea that all these other good shooters are just like they hit everything every game and they're shooting three for five every single game. And it's like, no, they don't. Like they have bad stretches too. It's not just us. But we don't watch the every game of other teams, so you don't really see it the same. Whereas you're watching because every they Bucks don't have game. bad stretches against the Bucks. That's what yeah, exactly. <laughs> if like that's yeah, that's the thing is they always kill the Bucks, and everyone thinks that that just happens every game. And every it's like, game. well, no, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Nathan Marzian, follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. You can follow me at Sparky Radio Green and Growing Podcast. Download it on your Odyssey app wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Thanks for tuning in. We will do this all over again coming up on Monday night. Have a good weekend. Toodles.